You know, if he's shirtless in the lunchroom, he's a target. Sup, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I am joined, as always, by my trusted co-host, the shitting on the Los Angeles Lakers to no reason to Magic Johnson, Eric Silver. Eric, how's it going? Listen, I have a very good reason to shit on the Lakers. Magic <laughs> Johnson has no good reason to shit on the Lakers. I also am a man of uh, popcorn insights, mm-hmm. and I would like also to say that I like skinny pop popcorn, and I always go with sea salt and pepper. Mm, sea salt and pepper is good. Pepper Jack, also very good flavor. Get a little bit of that spice. Just throw Old Bay on that. That would be delicious. Mm. Magic Johnson, if you tweeted about Old Bay, it would be much better than the crap that you're putting out right now. See, the problem is that you're expecting Magic Johnson to do good things. And he's not. For anyone out of the loop, Magic Johnson went on first take and just dunked on the Lakers for 30 straight minutes, which doesn't make sense because he quit. It it was something where it would have been like if he got fired. And then what was my favorite part is that he was upset and tried to talk about being backstabbed by Rob Palenka for saying that Magic Johnson was never there. And then other people just came out with a report saying, well, yeah, Magic was never there. He was never there. (laughs) It was not a a dig at Magic. If anything, it was a statement of fact. You can just go on a social media and be like, oh, yeah, he was in Italy here. (laughs) He was in France here. Like, we know you weren't in the office, dog. (laughs) Oh, well... Before we get into our main chunk of the episode, we got to go get ready to consume this chunk. And for that, we got to make sure we're all prepped in our little segment that we like to call the locker room, which is going to have a little bit of a name change. Did the locker room graduate? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I got I got a band for it. So unfortunately, our original producer, Teal, who has been with us since the beginning, can no longer support the show on Patreon. That is fine. She has supported the show in so many different ways on social media by sending us nice belt buckles and other words of kindness, by talking about the show on dates, by seeing us live. She has been such a great supporter, and we want to make sure that we continue to honor her, even if we don't say her name in the credits. So we are renaming the locker room to the Teal Memorial Locker Room. No, she is not dead, <laughs> but it's still the Teal Memorial Locker Room. <laughs> no, she's not dead is the parentheses at the end. <laughs> Teal Memorial Locker Room, in parentheses, no, she's not dead. Exactly. Listen, if Drake can do it, we can do it better. Exactly. Well, even if they're not dead, look, we have new patrons. We do, yay, and they're alive. Thank you to Callie Ray, Willie, Pam Webb, Sir Roger the Night Cook, Langongo, and a new producer level patron, James Harden went to Arizona State. See, this is who would have known? I you can't look it up. I wouldn't even have known that. So I'm glad that I get to say this every single week. You know, we make mistakes on this podcast, and sometimes we correct them, and other times we don't. don't. It's fine. If names are mispronounced, if almost the right answer is there. You know, hopefully we would all take the chance to let it be. But, you know, if you're going to support us by being a producer level patron, we'll take that roast. Listen, I'll take your $15 per episode if you're going to roast me. But you know who isn't roasting us and is still a producer level patron? You have Brianne Wingate, Berger, Skylar Jorgensen, Gladiator Vader, Adam Hartwick, Ross Papa, Akano, Wouter Vandermaiden, Cody Powell, Matt Furley, Salvador Testa, Trust the Process, and now James Harden went to Arizona State. Good. You are all lovely people. You know, there's always one person on the team that's a bit of a ruffian. I thought that was going to be trust the process, <laughs> but you know, they are, they are a model citizen. Oh man. Well, Eric, how about you tell us a little bit about who's sponsoring the episode and hopefully not roasting us either. Yeah. <laughs> this week we are sponsored by Wix.com. Wix.com. Make a website. It will be good. It will be good. With Wix, it's so easy to make it good. They have 400 templates to choose from all different layouts depending on whatever you're going for, whether you are applying for a job or if you have a podcast or if you are a photographer and you want to get some cool freelance work from J. Jonah Jameson, you can use Wix.com to make your website. It's very simple. The horse website is made through Wix and it's very pretty. I've made a personal site through Wix and I have no idea what the hell I am doing and I think <laughs> it looks okay. So you can do it too. And if you go to horsehoops.com slash Wix, you can get 10 percent off a Wix premium account, which is really sweet. You have the whole free trial to get all your stuff set up. And then when you want to get new features like putting it on a domain or removing any ads and stuff, you can get that Wix premium and get 10% off. If you go to horsehoops.com slash Wix, click the link 
and then at checkout, you'll get that 10%. I like the subtle endorsement that Spider-Man uses Wix. On the World Wide Web. There it is. Go mm-hmm. to Wix.com and get 10% off your Wix premium account when you go to Horsehoops.com slash Wix. So with that out of the way, we have a very special full court press this time because... Very interesting things happened in New Orleans in that the Pelicans, even though they only had a 6% chance of winning, won the NBA draft lottery. So who else could we call besides Andrew Lopez? Of the Times Picayune! Yes! Yes! So I had the pleasure of speaking with Andrew recently about the situation, and here's our interview. For this edition of Full Court Press, we have a very special news announcement. Who else could we bring in besides our very own, I guess you're our Pelicans correspondent for now, uh, but we're bringing yeah. in Andrew Lopez from NOLA.com, the Times-Picayune, to talk about the wildness that was the New Orleans Pelicans winning the NBA draft lottery and shaking up the entire league. So, Andrew, first off, how are you? And second, how are the Pelicans? I am good. The Pelicans are better. Uh, <laughs> a lot, a lot better. Than, than where they were uh, even a month ago right now. They went into this draft lottery having a 6% chance of getting the top pick. Yeah. And a big wrinkle in the whole draft lottery thing was, oh, either we're going to see the next team to get Zion Williamson and build from the ground up, or we're going to see a team that positions itself as a contender, whether that was the Celtics winning, as a team that could probably try to trade that pick for Zion. Not only are we going to know where Zion is going, but we also might know where Anthony Davis is going. But then Anthony Davis's team won Zion, so now everyone is confused. Yeah, so I'm sitting in there in the in the lottery room itself. So oh, we're, we're were watching there. it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So I'm sitting there watching everything. I turned to Will Guillory, a buddy of mine who writes for The Athletic. He covers the Pelicans. And we're we're joking with each other. We're like, man, you know, if they get <laughs> three, if they get three and like they can get R.J. Barrett, that, that'd be pretty good. Or maybe they get four and they can like guarantee themselves Culver or Hunter or maybe even get Garland or Kobe White instead of sitting back at seven or eight. That That's probably good. Thinking ah, maybe all right, maybe the Knicks get number one, the Knicks get it, then they'll flip it for right. AD and then just kind of coming up all these scenarios. Not once did we come up with the scenario <laughs> of the Pelicans winning. Like it, it, we, we didn't even think of that. Right. Well, like, ah, you know, and then when it went from Dallas envelope to Washington, I turned to Will and I was like, they're in the top four. And we're like, oh, 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 this is happening. And then we're watching and, you know, the Lakers come out at number four. The Knicks come out at number three. And I turn to him and I'm like, this is, this is happening. This is happening. Boom. The Memphis thing gets pulled. And I'm like, like these dudes have all the luck in the freaking world. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, Griff worked his magic again and it changed everything because now if AD still wants to be traded, you don't have to absolutely hit a home run with that trade like you did before because you already have Zion. Right. You already have him. You, you can figure out the best trade. You know, you can still start a bidding war between the Lakers and the Knicks and Boston and maybe Brooklyn or maybe Denver. Like, all of these teams or maybe the Clippers. Yeah, it's not like you have to settle for pennies on the dollar for AD. You're still going to get good value for him if he wants to be traded. Right. So, speaking of that, do you have any insight as to whether or not he still wants to be traded? Because it would be a very interesting situation for him to be like, I want out, I want to leave, I want to leave. And then now you get potentially a generational talent on the team. And then he has to come back and be like, yo, guys, I was just kidding. That that's all folks. Sure, it was funny, wasn't it? Ha ha, good thing I sat out all these games so we could tank. Like, is he going to come back with his tail between his legs or is he still like, I want to get out of here? So here's here's the thing. And this is what they can do to kind of make this a different. And Griff has already played this perfectly. This dude has been masterful in his new role. He's been absolutely killing it. Not even just getting the pick, which... Shout out to him for working that magic somehow still since he won so many with the Cavs. But like he has been very good in the PR stuff. Like when Rachel Nichols asked him, when I say say Zion Williamson, you say. And he was like, we have a lot of work to do. do. (laughs) Yes, he's good. He's good. Mm -hmm. He's real good at his job. I'll say this. What he also does is he has painted it to basically say AD had a reason for wanting to leave. AD wanted to leave, and if he wants to come back and he's about winning, we will help him. And if he doesn't, we will accommodate that. He's opening the door for him to basically say, hey, guys, I realize things are different. I'll come back now. If AD does say, you know what, this is my best chance to win, 
the Pelicans are making it to where he can come back without it being as weird. Now, it's going to be weird. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be (laughs) extremely weird. You are that's all folks shirt to your last game. It's Mm -hmm. going to be awful. Will the fans still accept him? I don't know. Um, I think they'll boo him at first, but once, you know, once they run that first AD Zion pick and roll, Mm -hmm. Nobody's yeah, gonna care anymore. Everything. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> gonna forget. His first game, they booed him. They booed the hell out of him. His first game, but as soon as he had an, he converted on an alley oop. It was like, oh, we love this guy. Right. I love oh, this yeah, big tall man. My bad. We were just angry. We're sorry. So uh, that's where you're at with it right now. And I, I still think there is a route where he can come back, especially if 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 you want to be about winning. If that's what you're about, you want to go deal with. What's going on in L.A.? Really? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Especially with all the recent Magic Johnson leaving and then going on first take and just shitting on the entire organization. He he friggin' just took a flamethrower to him. Well, I that's a whole nother story. But, like, he is ruining the Lakers. You want to go to New York with James Dolan? Well, as a very biased New York Knicks fan, I will say that since hiring Scott Perry, he has James Dolan has mainly been focusing on his kazoo career as a yeah. jazz <laughs> lead man. So uh, thankfully, he's been too preoccupied to <laughs> screw up the Knicks. When you think back and look at it, like where else is he going to go? Right. Where he has two teammates like Drew and Zion. Now, you get KD and you get... Kyrie and you can build around okay great but you got to give up everybody else basically to make that happen right money wise exactly I personally want him to stay because what I would love nothing more is for him to come back be like yo guys I'm really sorry and then everyone loves Zion because how can you not he's a beast he's a wholesome boy he jumps and dunks and doesn't look like he should be as good and as quick and as amazing and as athletic as he is he becomes everyone's favorite player, and then Anthony Davis has to look himself in the mirror and think about what he did for the rest of his time <laughs> with the Pelicans. Here's the thing with AD. He had every right. He really did. One thing that Trajan Langdon said on Tuesday in the press conference to introduce him. Yeah, what's his new position? He is general manager. Okay. He, I, I, it, it, I, they made that one very simple instead of executive vice president of basketball operations, David right. Griffin, which <laughs> – I hate having to type out every yeah, that's time. So many. We're abbreviating him EVP now and then GM, but still. Mm-hmm. So Trajan is very simple. Trajan is the general manager, but even he mentioned yesterday, we don't have to. We can't go into win now mode mm-hmm. too quickly. And a lot of Pelicans fans recognize that because that's what happened. That's what that's what Del Demps did. He tried to go too quickly. The future is so bright in New Orleans right now, considering everything that happened. Yeah, the future is very bright. We will have to see what shakes out. One thing I did want to say about Trajan Langdon before moving on, uh, he's definitely a Game of Thrones character, right? Like that, (laughs) I've never watched an episode, but it certainly sounds that he'd be like, I'm Trajan Langdon, manager general of of the New Orleans Pelicans realm. I feel like you just wrote a Game of Zones episode. I'd write. I, <laughs> and we are going to see that next week. Well, <laughs> I'm very excited to sue Bleacher Report. <laughs> yes. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for giving us the scoop on the lottery situation and what the Pelicans are going through. Hopefully, we'll be talking to you soon about something ridiculous based on whatever happens. But uh, thanks again. Always appreciate having you on the show. No problem, man. Thank you. Wow, I'm so informed. I learned so many things about Pelicans and drafting so many things so for our next segment we are going to do a three-on-three draft which we've done before when we have a guest for our that actually happened segment and we do have that but that's later in the show Ooh, foreshadowing so many guests Mm. one two three three two one Three on three. so before we get into that very fun guest segment we have later for this three on three we are going to draft the best onion sports articles and i'm very excited, and I hope you don't pick any of mine. I actually hacked in, into your computer, and I stole all of your information. I'm going to pick every single one of the ones you want. Cool, cool. How did we determine... Oh, we did rock, paper, scissors last time, yes, right? Yes, we did. All right, let's do it. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Damn it. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Yeah, got him! <laughs> Get out of my house! I built this house. They are my logs. I harvested them. Cool. All right. So, Mike, 
Everyone knows about The Onion. It is the satirical website that skewers in their own fun way mm-hmm. uh, what is happening in our present news. Uh, I'm really starting to warm up to their sports, and I don't know what you have, but I have a combination of ones that are called Photo Finish, which okay. is just the headline and then a fun photo. And then there is uh, one called News in Brief, where you have the headline and then a little bit of satirical writing as well. They are great. You can plow through, like I did, in 30 minutes, I plowed through three years worth of content. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, these are all going to be basketball related. So I'm going to go to my first one, which I promise is basketball related. The first pick in the f- three best onion headlines draft goes to Eric Silver. Eric, you have the floor. Thank you, uh, Dad. That was my dad, Adam Silver. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew from the way that my voice changed. Um, my first pick employee using up sick days before leaving company. And then it's just a photo of Kevin Durant. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good and very timely. That was posted yesterday. It was. That's why I liked it so much. It's also a really good photo of Kevin Durant because he has his hood on Mm -hmm. and he looks just like cold and upset whenever he has his hood on. He looks like a five-year-old who doesn't know where his mittens are. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We'll post this photo and all the photos and the articles on the episode page at horsehoops.com. My favorite thing about the NBA, as we've talked about before, is that the NBA is like an office. So imagine that Kevin Durant is just like, fuck this, hate all of you, you're all mean, I just don't like it, I'm just going to use up all the sick days that I had saved up when I was in the Oklahoma City office, Mm. and now he's just going to bounce. That's what I would do. For anyone out of the loop. It is highly rumored that Kevin Durant will leave the Warriors next season, and he's currently injured, and the Warriors are doing just fine without him, even though he skipped this entire round of the playoffs to nurse his injured calf. I'm very happy that more fuel has been added to the KD might leave fire now that the Warriors are just fine without him. So this makes me a Knicks fan. Super stoked. Real, wait, Mike, are you a Knicks fan? I'm, I, you've never talked about it on this podcast. Oh, you should listen to the podcast more. I talk about it like every episode. It's uh, probably very kind of, annoying. I black out every time you say <laughs> you talk about the Knicks. Uh, okay, so now are you... I just want. I, I had a whole riff about Kevin Durant working from home, but like it's fine. <laughs> just go ahead. So my first pick in this draft actually features your father. It says Adam Silver sends league-wide memo. Fuck, damn it, shit. <laughs> Adam Silver sends league-wide memo, just asking players where the fuck they want to play. Oh, this was <laughs> on my list. Enough already. Let's hash this out, says NBA commissioner. It is very brief, so I'd like to read the whole article. Please go ahead. In response to a litany of high-profile trades in a general sense of dissatisfaction from many star players, NBA commissioner Adam Silver sent out a league-wide message Friday simply asking players where the fuck they want to play basketball. <laughs> I would love to get an email like this. This is all the multitude emails is just Amanda just like laying into the fucking keyboard. A highly underrated aspect of this Onion article is that it takes it very seriously like a real article because the they was in brackets very good. Uh, <laughs> to make it look like a real official report. Look, we're just going to put all this bullshit to rest and figure it out now. So everyone send me a list of their top three preferred teams, and I'll try my best to make everyone happy, said Silver in the memo, (laughs) insisting that once all 494 players were moved to the team of their choice, he didn't want to hear any more complaints or demands until everyone was a free agent again in five years. That is so good. Everybody's constantly bitching about getting traded or leaving in free agency, and we're all sick of your shit. We're going to make this as painless as possible. Do you want to play for the Lakers? Fine, go play for the Lakers. Do you want to be a Nick? Great, pack your bags. Let us know now so we can all just focus on basketball. At press time, Silver sent a follow-up message to explain that everyone can't choose to play for the Warriors. <laughs> it's very good. I uh, I just like the idea of Adam Silver swearing. Oh, very good. Just like the fact that he says fuck so much is very good. <laughs> I, I want Adam Silver, my vampire commissioner dad, just to just let it out. All right, Mike, I'm mad that you made my pick, but now I have to delete it off my board. Sorry. And we're going to move on. All right, I got my second pick. Uh, NBA ref Petrovat. <laughs> <laughs> This was really funny. NBA ref petrified after seeing depiction of own death while looking under replay hood. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part about this one is that it's news and brief. It's not even in sports. Very important news from the onion. (laughs) I also have something for this. This is from San Antonio. Oh, it's very good. Staring into the distance with his mouth agape and sweat beating on his forehead. NBA referee JB DeRosa was reportedly terrified Monday after seeing a depiction of his own death while looking under the replay hood. JB was under there a while on what seemed like a routine call, and then all of a sudden he pulled his head out violently. 
he was shaking and he had gone completely pale, said fellow referee Sean Wright, adding that DeRosa was in a fugue-like stake and completely ignored him when he was asked if he was okay, only to later reveal to team physicians that he had glimpsed a brief spectral vision of his future demise in between frames of an attempted block by LaMarcus Aldridge. That's very good. Once you said J.B. DeRosa, I googled J.B. DeRosa to see if that was a real person. And now I'm on NBRA.net, which is the National Basketball Referees Association website. And J.B. DeRosa is in his second season. He's official number 62 from Canton, Ohio. And he was born in April 1991. So he's like a year he's older. He's your age. He's literally my age. Look at, it. Look at this. Look at this face. Look at this terrifying very face. Very stoic. Uh, I have more to this article. After Sean Wright grabbed his shoulder, he turned around and just started muttering, no, no, how? As his lower lip trembled in fear. Then his nose started bleeding. We still don't know what the call was. At press time, a frantic DeRosa was desperately trying to discourage the NBA from holding his all-star weekend in Charlotte, North Carolina this year. So he dies in Charlotte, I guess. It's very good. And if you want to know some fun facts about J.B. DeRosa, did you know that he is the son of former NBA official Joe DeRosa? And he started refereeing local CYO and recreational league games in Canton, Ohio area at age 13. He excelled in track and field in high school and college. And during the offseason, he enjoys playing golf and traveling with his wife. My favorite part about that is how related it is to my pick. <laughs> I'm just reading you, off another website. I'm just giving you facts about J.B. DeRosa, star of this article. He also uh, died in Charlotte of this year. So interesting. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh, he got impaled on a big boy spike. <laughs> Not <laughs> he a was a hand of the ba- of big boy, uh, you know, the, of the restaurant. Yeah. Wow. That's what happened. Well, that's fantastic. My second pick. Well, I wouldn't say fantastic. <laughs> he, he saw his own death. So. Hey, at least he saw it coming, you know. Uh, listen, LaMarcus Aldridge definitely blocked that guy. No foul. <laughs> so my second pick for this Onion draft is a recent one that says, Duke anthropology professor devastated to learn promising student dropping out. And it's a picture of Zion Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a very good one. Fretting over the future of the young man he had once considered a protege, Duke anthropology professor Edwin Greeley was reportedly devastated Friday upon hearing that his most promising pupil, Zion Williamson, was dropping out of school. Quote, Zion is one of the most engaged and thoughtful students I've ever encountered in my 30 years in academia. It's simply a shame to watch him squander these immense gifts, said Greeley, adding that under the rate tutelage, he had no doubt that Williamson was destined to become a world-renowned anthropologist, perhaps even on par with the likes of Bronislaw Malinowski or Clifford Geertz. He has a grip on the subtle differences between early Mesoamerican cultures that you just can't teach. Zion was always staying after class to chat or coming to my office hours, but now he's throwing his life away for reasons I can't begin to understand. <laughs> I told him that we could arrange... sports! <laughs> it's not even if I made a list of all the things that humans have done over time. Sports, not at the top. I told him that we could arrange some sort of financial aid, but he just said this wasn't the place for him. <laughs> yeah, obviously he needs financial aid. I'm afraid the loss was such a promise young academic will be devastating for the whole field. I don't know why anyone so talented would do this. At press time, Greeley was trying to convince the bur- <laughs> the burgeoning anthropologist that a 30000 per year adjunct professorship was easily within reach for someone of his promise. That's pretty good. Okay, that's pretty good. Listen, he'll always have shoes. He won't break out of shoes in the anthropology field. What do you think the over-under was on number of classes Zion attended? Hmm. Like, he had to probably go the first week right sure and that was about it i don't know how many classes they'd have at duke and like everyone who went to Let's duke are like gonna be like class. oh we're on trimesters so like i don't even want to try <laughs> regardless of how many classes i think the number of homework assignments that he completed was oh, like three. that he did himself was about three to five <laughs> three <laughs> that's, that's an overestimate i would say one to two but listen he's a bunch burgeoning anthropologist he did all of his anthropology homework you know in the beginning of this i was like is this a real article it could have been like interviewing people who are like, oh, I'm going to miss Zion. He was such a good student. He did quote a lot before entering the draft saying how much he loved Duke and how much he loved the college experience. It's like, yeah, dude, everybody would love college if they got to just play basketball, be beloved by the entire campus and not have to do any homework on their own. Yeah. Like, that sounds pretty <laughs> fucking great, dude. Yeah, that sounds just like my college experience where everyone knew my name and loved me and I was on national television. And I didn't have to stay up till 4.30 every morning doing engineering problem sets and saying, oh, I got four hours of sleep last night. Not too bad of a night yep that was me i loved those engineering problems that's all right mike i'm gonna lift your spirits with my third pick are you ready yes uh this is just a photo finish so it's gonna be quick and to the point are you ready Mm -hmm. joelle Embiid downing bucket of lukewarm shrimp in preparation for game three (laughs) 
I need to see this photo. Okay, here's the photo. Lukewarm shrimp. Oh my. <laughs> it's just a, I don't know where they got this photo to start with, but it it's just Dwell on Bead with like a Photoshop bucket of shrimp in his hands. You can tell it's lukewarm. Like I don't know if they put shading on it, but like it just doesn't look fresh. No, it does not. <laughs> Dwell on Bead also looks like he's like, oh wait, this was my shrimp time. <laughs> this is when I ate my shrimp before my before my games. It reminds me of a, a one that they did in the past for the Yankees. It was CC Sabathia eats homemade uh, baseball marinara sub, and it's him eating a <laughs> like a meatball sub, but the meatballs are. Baseballs. Baseball. It's very good. <laughs> Listen, if it came out that Joel Embiid went out into a seafood buffet in Toronto every time that he had an away game, I would believe it. I would 100% believe it. Yeah, I mean, he did have the whole Shirley Temple thing. You're <laughs> yes, he tried, where yeah. before he was playing, where his rookie season, he was out the whole year with a foot injury. There were reports that he used to order pictures of Shirley Temple room service That's to disgusting. his room, which I can't. We talked about this before the Join the Party Secret Show. Mm-hmm. We were uh, killing time and we did a fantasy draft for garnishes for a cocktail. Right. And Brandon, <laughs> the second pick, and he chose maraschino cherries. Hey, Brandon, who is in the room sitting behind <laughs> hey, Eric Silver. How's it going? So he chose maraschino cherries and I'm like. I'm sorry, do you love Shirley Temples? But don't worry, Brandon drafted expensive maraschino cherries. I didn't know those existed. I didn't didn't know those were real, but apparently they are, and they're pricey. They're extremely... Listen, Joel and B could get expensive Shirley Temples, though. He could. I can't even fathom drinking a pitcher. Like, even halfway through a glass of a Shirley Temple, I'm like, that's enough sugar for the month. I can't. That that bad cherry flavor. I used to pound those as kids. That's the whole thing you do. That's what what it's for. (laughs) It's for just like getting super hyped up at someone's bar mitzvah. That's what it's for. Hell yeah. All right, Mike, I'm ready. All right, my final pick. I have one that is near and dear to my heart and something that I've dealt with on many occasions. Report. Pick up basketball player too sweaty to guard. <laughs> uh, I should have known that you would pick one that was just like not about the NBA at all. It's too real. Allowing his competitive spirit to give way to revulsion, local 27-year-old Philip Rayburn reported Thursday that a fellow pickup basketball player was too sweaty to guard. Quote, I know I need to stay on him when he starts trying to back me down in the post, but I really don't want to touch his sopping wet back, said Rayburn, with on no less than six occasions passively gave up the lane rather than risk banging into the sweat-drenched man barreling towards him. I don't even like boxing him out on rebounds because he just drips down on top of me. Christ, I can't even hand check him without getting wet. At press time, the man had reportedly just returned from a water break, dripping from the mouth with a combination of drool, sweat, and Gatorade. Yep. That feels like me. I can't believe they reported on me. That was hurtful. I have dealt with this too many times where you want to play nice defense in the post, but the guy is just so wet and gross. And then your shirt becomes wet and gross, and it's not wet and gross with your own supply. It's someone else's moisture. So then if you're trying to wipe your face or something, it's super gross. I really appreciate the sweaty dudes out there who bring multiple shirts. I play yes. pickup with some guys who bring two or three shirts, and they'll change it if their shirt gets too wet, which is so kind so and thoughtful and probably feels better on yourself, too. Yeah, sweaty shirts are the worst. I'm going to shout out to my sweaty boy gang out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, summer's coming. It sucks. I just can't. It's too hot. I, I'm a sweaty boy as well. I get it. So you got to come prepared and come correct and bring an extra shirt. Mike, I, I got to level with you. Um, when you're sweaty <laughs> and you're... <laughs> Is like you're in a club and like there's a an attractive woman mm-hmm. who has been dancing and is sweaty and looks better because of it. Mm-hmm. And you could say that about some uh, athletically gifted men out there who get sweaty and they sure. glisten as they jump through the air. Mm-hmm. Um, men of a different stature don't look as good <laughs> when sweaty, Mike. I'm not talking to the, those who glisten when they sweat, unfortunately. Well, I don't know if I glisten while I sweat, but I will say that my 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 head and my feet get really sweaty. So if I'm dancing at the club, my hair will get all sweat and wet and in my face because when it's not slicked back, it's long and can go down to like my mouth. So that's just... It's like you just have a whip on top of your it's head. It's just a bad look. Do you look. also whip your head back and forth? If the song comes on, yes. Oh, Otherwise, no. I don't want to hurt my neck. You're going to just poison everybody. Well, I mean, I don't, yeah, that's, that's poison true. damage right there. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to roll for poison. Poison. <laughs> poison. <laughs> it's a good draft. It's a good draft. This was good. I what had some other time. ones that I was excited about, but... Um, we'll do them I'm, in the five on five. It's true. I have some... Actually, there are two that I'm super... Uh, yes. very excited I about. had a very hard time choosing just three. My initial whittling down, I had 10. <laughs> and then, oh, and then it's going to even be hard to pick just two for the five on five. But check that out on patreon.com slash horse hoops. 
So, Eric, let's go to our next segment, which will be That Actually Happened. We had a, Whoa, that actually happened. That actually happened. We had a wonderful guest, Zach Meisel, who writes for The Athletic, talk to us about the Cleveland Championship celebration and the time, which actually happened, that J.R. Smith threw a bowl of soup at an assistant coach. So, Eric, for this section of That Actually Happened... We're going to kind of do an opposite of what we did last time, because last episode we talked about perfect human being, Clay Thompson. (laughs) And this time instead, we're going to be talking about interesting human being. Chaotic God. (laughs) J.R. Smith himself. J.R. Smith has done a lot of things over his career, some of which have been very fun for my New York Knicks, other of which have been very frustrating for LeBron James. And his tenure in Cleveland was certainly incredibly interesting. So in order to discuss this, we have brought on a special guest, a senior writer for The Athletic, covers a lot of different Cleveland sports. It's Zach Meisel. Zach, how's it going? It's an honor to be on with you guys. How are you? We are great. It's an honor to have you. Thank you for legitimizing our not sports podcast again. <laughs> we really appreciate that. Well, you guys focus on the things that everybody should focus on, the the off-the-court shenanigans, and I appreciate that. When we were talking, I asked you if you knew about the infamous J.R. Smith soup-throwing incident. And just so that all of our listeners are aware, yes, that did actually happen, J.R. Smith. Threw... <laughs> oh, spoilers. <laughs> it happened. J.R. Smith threw a bowl of soup at an assistant coach after a shoot-around. And it wasn't just a bowl of soup. It was a bowl of chicken tortilla soup, which I think makes it the most perfect soup. I can't think of a better soup to throw. You got the little chunks of tortilla in there. It's a little spicy. Damon Jones, who was the assistant coach that had it being thrown at him, said that the entire bowl was thrown at him and it was the first bowl out of the pot. So it was hot. What do you know about this situation and then just the aftermath of it? The 24 to 48 hours after it happened and it happened, I think it was a Thursday at shoot around. So you're talking like lunchtime and... The next day or two made for the greatest sports talk radio in Cleveland history (laughs) Um, because we didn't know what kind of soup it was for almost 24 hours. And you had radio hosts on air trying to debate, well, would it be better if he threw tomato basil or if he threw chicken noodle? Um, Could it have been chili and were there more chunks? And, And it's like they're legitimately talking about this on the radio and trying to determine, you know, how this might impact the team moving forward. It was incredible. And you find out it's chicken tortilla. And like, because J.R. Smith didn't really elaborate on it when he met with the media, no one really talked to Damon Jones. It just left open all these possibilities. And, you know, you hear things. And that's why you guys have this segment that, <laughs> that you think you think like if you just said that you'd you would just assume it, someone was joking and, and there, there's no way this actually happened. And, and instead, with that Cavs team especially, because of the characters that they had, because they had been together for a while and, and been to the finals and won a championship, and it was like it got to a point where any story that came out of Cleveland was believable. And mm-hmm. I think this was just the peak of that where the top headline in Cleveland for 24 hours was which type of soup did this player throw at a coach? When have you ever heard anything remotely close to that? I want to broach this question now because I think it's extremely important is which type of soup would be the worst soup or best soup if you if you are the thrower, which is the best soup to throw at a person? I still think it's clam chowder because one, it's fishy. Two, it's creamy. So it's going to be hard to get out of your clothes. And three, it's funny to say like chowder saying that like you threw chowder at someone just feels funnier than saying just like tomato bisque. Yeah, you want you want to think of what's going to leave a lasting impact and maybe like what type of soup would require maybe two trips through the laundry to, to really get it out. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's interesting. I'm an avid soup connoisseur. Like I'm the guy oh, who good. You're, eat in, a bowl you're in good hands. <laughs> yeah, I'll eat a bowl of chicken noodle soup when it's 85 degrees outside. I don't care. And so mm-hmm. I feel like I was, you know, the person I know a lot of friends were asking me. You know, what kind of soup would make sense here in this situation? But it's also, they had a game that night. So what kind of soup are you eating for lunch that you're going to feel fine, (laughs) you know, six hours later? That's surprising that they would serve chicken tortilla soup as a pregame meal because that feels like a little spicy and stuff like, 
What if things get a little smelly in the locker room pregame? I never really put this together, though. So, like, this was food that the Cavs served that was, like, their meal before they went out? Like, it was from the it was, Cavs? It was after shoot-around. Okay. I just kind of assumed that J.R. Smith went to, like, a Helen Hardy and was like, boom! <laughs> it was like, I have half a sandwich for you as well. Like, I didn't I didn't put it together. The one that I can't get out of my head that I, you know, I wish we could run a simulation on this, but, like, if you had a hearty chili... I think that Ooh. would be pretty tough mm. to get out. I keep thinking of the office scene when Kevin brings in his big pot of chili and spills it everywhere. Right, yeah. And it seemed like that was really, really difficult to clean up. And I just wonder if, you know, Damon Jones said it like kind of it hit him in the arm, kind of like, you know, it, it was hot and it, and it got him in the side. But I, I don't think it was a direct hit. And I wonder maybe if there was a chili, if that would have been easier to toss because it kind of. The consistency helps it stay together. Zach, you're a massive sports fan, and I think that I like putting this in context within, like, the larger sports existence. Is this one of the wildest interactions between a player and a coach that you've ever heard of? Because, like, the only thing that I could think about is something that is, like, way worse was just, like, Latrell Sprewell flipping out on Jeff Van Gundy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love how that's buried in my mind forever. Is this one of the wildest stories that you heard between uh, how players and coaches talk to each other? Yeah, because I'm sure stuff happens behind the scenes that we never find out about. But this was so, like, what level of anger must you have to not, like, throw a punch or go at someone, but to throw soup? (laughs) To throw a soup. (laughs) You have to be a certain degree of angry, but not too angry to the point where it would get physical. Uh, It's just, you know, Bill Simmons used to write about the Tyson zone where like Mike Tyson had reached a point where anything he did was believable because he was just so crazy and he had all these stories about him. And I think like this is this is in that in that vicinity where J.R. Smith is so out there that I think something like this is believable. And, you know, there's probably some great stories that we'll never know about uh, just because people don't want them getting out. I'm so glad, so grateful that this did make it out to the public. <laughs> this is hilarious. This is the second reference to the Tyson zone we've had in two episodes. Yeah. Like if you went all the way through the other side past Tiger Woods, past uh, Mike Tyson, you would find Clay Thompson like being as normal <laughs> as possible on the other side. It's like Clay Thompson was in a gap and he bought two pairs of jeans. Like, yep, that is, that's entirely possible. I can see that. I think J.R. Smith and Clay Thompson are like opposite versions of each other. <laughs> like they're the anti-dark mirror world, upside down version of each other, where if you had a story that was crazy, ridiculous and bad, you'd be like, that has to be J.R. Smith. Mm-hmm. And if it was crazy, ridiculous and good, it's like that clearly has to be Clay Thompson. Did J.R. Smith read the newspaper before his game? No, that has to be <laughs> Clay Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> Though, if J.R. Smith or Clay Thompson were sponsored by Chocolate Milk, I would believe both. Like, there is an intersection there. Yeah, and I think, like, every championship team needs a J.R. Smith, though. I mean, you have to, like, Dennis Rodman for the Bulls back mm-hmm. in the day. I mean, you have to have that guy who's got a screw or two loose that makes the opponent think and, and makes fans, like, keeps them on the edge of their seat because you never know what he's going to do. Was it ever revealed what made J.R. Smith so mad that he threw soup at Damon Jones? That's the thing. No one ever knows that. And then I know Damon Jones said that they went th- they went three months without talking. Mm-hmm. After yeah. <laughs> and they're around each other every day. So, you know, maybe if it was like a colder soup and, and didn't leave that much, you know, I don't know if he had like burns or anything, but maybe they would have patched things up sooner if, if it was a different type. I learned something really important about J.R. Smith because this was like the first soup that came, it was so hot it was the first soup that came out of the cauldron. Is J.R. Smith the kind of person who wants to be first on the launch line? That's a good question. You know, the other thing too that's dangerous is remember J.R. Smith does not wear a shirt very often. Yes. <laughs> you know, you'll you'll recall the moment they beat the Warriors, he didn't wear a shirt the entire summer. You know, they stopped in Vegas on the way back from California after game seven and like every photo of him in the club in Vegas, getting off the plane back in Cleveland, the entire day of the parade, he's never wearing a shirt in any of that. And so I wonder, you know, if he's shirtless in the lunchroom, he's a target. You know, if Damon Jones ever wanted to get him back, you know, if you throw a bowl of soup at someone not wearing a shirt, that's, that's going to be a lot worse than Damon Jones, who is probably wearing, you know, a button down or something like that. Zach, this is why we have guests. This is just like a, a side that I never even considered. 
Yeah. <laughs> so that was the other thing we wanted to make sure we touched on was the J.R. Smith shirtless celebration week or because you're right. It just Summer. felt like the yeah, season of J.R. Smith's <laughs> shirtless. It just felt like the entire offseason he was shirtless and celebrating. So being around Cleveland, being there for like the celebration and the parade and all of that, like how did all of that go, especially with him being shirtless for so much of it? <laughs> so I'll try to paint you a picture um, you know, it had been 52 years since any Cleveland team won a title. And so you can imagine the pent up frustration, you know, people had written about what it might be like if it ever happens. And a lot of Cleveland teams got close and then had heartbreak. So you just bottle up all that emotion and game seven. So I lived at the time in like the smack dab center of downtown on this street that has no traffic, pedestrians only. It's got restaurants on, on both sides of the street. And it's like, uh, you know, I could see Quicken Loans Arena from my apartment window. So very close. So game seven that day, the Indians were home. I covered the Indians game. And then I went home. And, you know, the funny thing is downtown, people were packed like sardines by like 4 p.m. And the game didn't even start. I think it was like an 8 p.m. start that night, Eastern time. And so the restaurants were so filled. I just remember like keeping my door open to my apartment and these random people would just keep coming in. I didn't know like half the people in my apartment, but everybody, everybody wanted to be downtown just for that moment, just in case. The thing that no one ever talks about is if the Cavs had lost and you have tens of thousands of angry, frustrated people dealing with another year of heartbreak, I don't know how that would have gone. And I think there would have been a lot of arrests and a lot of things lit on fire. Instead, it was... It was incredible. So everybody in my apartment ran outside. Both all the people you knew, all the people you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, like hand in hand, whether you knew this person or not. And you get to the front door of the apartment building, and this, you can't move. Like the street is so packed, and people are just going crazy. You have people in their apartments pouring champagne out the windows onto the people below. People were passing shopping carts through the crowd over their heads, flower pots, other people. It was absolute mayhem, and there was just like this constant roar. And so you had people climbing trees, people climbing street signs, people climbing fire trucks. You just had people walking around, high-fiving strangers, hugging strangers. There was a few blocks away, West 6th Street. There's a bunch of bars, a bunch of clubs. I just remember someone pulled up their car in the middle of the street, parked it, opened all the doors, and started blasting music. And then just a group of people was just dancing in the middle of the street. And this is like two in the morning on a Sunday night. And, <laughs> and so the craziest part is that Cleveland fans drank the entire city out of its alcohol supply. Like you went bar to bar and everyone was out of beer. Everyone was out of liquor. I remember wow. we finally found this little dive bar that was out of everything except like top shelf whiskey. And I remember... They were like, we can give you guys this, but it's going to be like, I think it was like, it was like $25 a shot. Ooh. My buddy was like, you know, if, if we're ever going to do this, it's going to be right now. Right. So I think we, we did that. You know, I remember waking up the next morning, there was garbage like all over the place, but there was, there was just this incredible vibe in the city for months. Like everybody was in a good mood for a while. And I know the Indians had started a 14 game winning streak right around that time. And then they rode that wave to the world series. And, and it was like, if you could script what a city would, like how they'd finally want to get to that point after 52 years, that would be it. And like the day of the parade, you know, obviously J.R. Smith not wearing a shirt, probably <laughs> didn't even know where his shirts were at that point. <laughs> People started making shirts of J.R. Smith's body with all his tattoos. So you could wear the Ooh, shirt and it looked good. like you were J.R. Smith being shirtless. That's um, really good. So it was, you know, no one knows exactly how many people attended the parade. The, the number 1.3 million was thrown out there, which for Ooh. Cleveland is, is a ton. But the parade also took like several hours longer than it was supposed to just because there were so many people spilling into the streets. The floats were moving extremely slow. You know, it, it's interesting because the only experience people could point to was if you were alive in 1964 and you witnessed the Browns winning the Super Bowl. That was it. But most of Cleveland wasn't around for that or doesn't remember that. And so what's crazy, you think about this is what people will think about uh, everyone who got to experience it. 
this is what you'll be talking about for decades. And so, you know, it was it was certainly uh, a few days that no one will forget. That's that's wild. fantastic. You know, I feel like so many Cleveland fans after LeBron left, they were like, you know what? We got our championship. It's fine. And I don't think I really understood what that meant. But I think that when you experience this, yeah, I would be satisfied with that, too. I don't <laughs> have to follow sports for like another decade. I'm fine. Whatever. Cleveland doesn't have they've got some breweries, but they're not like downtown right next to the ballpark. But downtown smelled like beer for weeks. And I will <laughs> never forget that. Good. And it really was like a party for an entire city. And a city that has crappy weather nine months out of the year, a city that was the butt of every joke. You know, there was that montage that ESPN always aired anytime a Cleveland team was playing on their network. And there was a whole documentary <laughs> earlier that summer about Believeland. Right. And finally, I think all that could be put to rest. And, it, you know, it's weird because, like, sports are stupid. And, and why... You know, who cares? Who... <laughs> We're, that's going to be the poll quote. We're going to send it to the athletic. Be like... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true, though. Like, we people care so much about on-field results when really, like, you know, you're still going to wake up the next day and go about your daily life. But the way that's, you know, everyone was just galvanized by that championship. And it was just so cool. And, like, Matthew Della Vadova is a cult hero in this city Ooh, and will be the rest of his the life. chipmunk himself. Like, that's, that's the stuff that sticks with you. And I, I think that's what was so cool about it. That's great. And we're very happy for the city of Cleveland. Now, I know you cover the Indians. And there's something that you had mentioned that I wanted to discuss with you. It was when they made that World Series run. LeBron James and some other members of the Cavs at the time attended the World Series game. And LeBron was wearing Cleveland Indians gear. I, as a Yankee fan, know that LeBron is a huge, notorious Yankee fan. Wore a Yankee hat a lot during his earlier career. Went to a bunch of Yankee games, got special tickets and all of that. Did the Indians just kind of ignore that when he came through? Or like, how did that all go down? There are a lot of people who have still not gotten over that when he was wearing the Yankees hat. I think it was the playoff game in 2007, maybe. Yep. You know, he grew up a Yankees fan and a Cowboys fan. I think he liked the Chicago Bulls. Like, come on. I mean, clearly just a front oh, runner. So your favorite saying, tennis player was uh, Andre Agassi. So you're saying he yeah. was a child in 1990. Yes, that is what it sounds like. You know, and it's funny because now it seems like in the NBA, that's like everyone just wants to be on a front runner. And you just talk to your friends who are going to be free agents and decide what team you want to make great. And so it's weird. You know, that was such a cool moment when Rajay Davis hits a game-tying homer in the eighth inning and the Indians come back in game seven and tie it. And LeBron is, like, flexing on the camera from his suite and, like, <laughs> wearing a shirt that says Cleveland or nowhere, even though he decided to go nowhere a couple years later. Um, it, you know, it was... Also, the Cleveland or nowhere, there's the, like, blank or nowhere shirts. It's made by a New York company. <laughs> so... But, yeah, like, that cool... That moment was awesome. He had never talked about the Browns and... He started tweeting and, and talking about the Browns more when he was here the second time. I do think there's a part of him that just grew up and realized, like, hey, you're from Northeast Ohio. You can root for the teams that you grew up seeing every day instead of the teams who were just in the championship, in the finals, in the World Series every year. So the, the crazy part is those guys were hammered in the suite every game. Like Channing Fry and J.R. <laughs> Smith were uh, just having the best time. Kevin Love was in there a bunch, so... Uh, it was fun seeing just the spirit and the camaraderie between the different teams. And, you know, now the Cleveland Browns are kind of good. So maybe uh, maybe that'll yeah. happen with all the teams yeah. here. You know, during the World Series, I heard that J.R. Smith actually went down from the suite, ran down to the bottom level and kept trying to lean over and catch uh, foul balls. I heard that. Yeah. He's and... trying to catch them in a bowl of soup, actually. <laughs> That's uh, you stole my joke. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, this is awesome. Thank you so much for everything that you can tell us. Uh, where can people find you when they hear you on this amazing episode? And be like, well, this guy, mm -hmm. uh, I like I like the cut of his jib. They say to themselves. <laughs> uh, has that ever happened? Has anyone ever said that to themselves? That phrase? I'm um, sure there are sailors who <laughs> say you did start this conversation by saying ahoy. So it's entirely possible. <laughs> yeah, I'm on Twitter at Zach Meisel. You can read my stuff on The Athletic. Subscribe today. We have crazy discounts every day if you pay full price. That's on you. You can get 30%, 40% off all the time. And yeah, I think that's it.
Yeah, so if you want to read Zach write about things, just remember that he said sports are stupid when you put in your credit card information for your subscription <laughs> to The Athletic or buy one of his three books. Just, you know, just remind yourself sports are stupid. I'm paying money to read him write about them. <laughs> sports are stupid, but I think this, the other stuff, like I write about Mario Kart or Terry Francona eating $44 worth of ice cream the night before playoff game, like stuff like that. that that's oh. the stuff that's not stupid. Zach, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for giving us the details about J.R. Smith and all the things that he actually did for the things that actually happened. You got it. I'm going to go eat a bowl of chicken noodle. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> all right. We're going to have some lobster bisque. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. I, I was sitting on it. <laughs> Whoa, Cleveland? No way! We talked about more than just these Cleveland things with Zach, and we talked about more than just the Pelicans with Andrew. If you want to check out Overtime Audio, which is going to be the stuff that had to get cut from those interviews, you can head on over to Patreon. That'll be the the upcoming Overtime episodes. Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah. more more stuff. Oh, oh no. Oh, Mike, I'm stuck in this register. Well, let's cut to the outro, then. All right, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Do-do-do-do-do-do-do! Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Mike Schubert and Eric Silver. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. The social media is run by Mike Schubert. The website is by Kelly Beckman. The art is by Allison Wakeman. And the music is by Bettina Campomanes. Special thanks. <laughs> okay, I got it. No. Special thanks to our producer level patrons, Brianne Wingate, Berger, Skylar Jorgensen, Gladiator Vader, Adam Hartwick, Ross Papa, Akano, Walter Vandermaiden, Cody Powell, Matt Furley, Salvatore, Testa, Trust the Process, and James Harden went to Arizona State. I guess that's the truth. Mm-hmm. You know who didn't go to Arizona State? Multitude? Well, <laughs> our social media. Oh, our social media. Who cares? This is bar- we're just barreling through. You can find us on social media at Horse Hoops on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops because as we say every single episode, it's because Horse Hoops did go to Arizona State and they majored in anthropology. <laughs> And Horse Hoops was banned from right, Twitter. Right, right. We should just get Horse Hoops at some point. Uh, we can't now. Yeah. <laughs> We'd have point. to get it and then just make the whole thing like, well, we got it, but go to Horse underscore Hoops. <laughs> go to both. You can also find us on our website, horsehoops.com, where we put up links to everything that we talk about. And if you want great bonus content, which may include pictures of horses in the future, you can go to patreon.com slash horsehoops. Mike, you know who would never throw a bowl of soup in a professional area? Mitchell Robinson, because he's such a nice long boy. Uh, pretty much everyone else at the NBA, but more specifically, Multitude. Right. Multitude just got an office. We it's did. so fun. We're recording in the Multi Studio right now. If the it Multi sounds Studio. good, you're welcome. If it sounds bad, bland, blame Brandon Grubel. <laughs> and his bad maraschino cherries. It's his fault and only his fault. <laughs> we did nothing to help. <laughs> we didn't do anything about this. Brandon only. It's fun. Brandon's in the room, so we can make fun of Brandon. This is great. But he's too dedicated to the he's audio not even to looking. speak. He won't look at us. He's like, oh, if I had a microphone, I'd really get in there. <laughs> I hope that chuckle was picked up. <laughs> you can find us on the internet at Multitude.Productions, or you can find us on Twitter at Multitude Shows. We are spirits. We are doing the party. We are potterless, and we are Waystation. You can also go to multitude.production slash live to see where we are going to go next because we're going to Nashville, we're going to Brooklyn, New York, and we're going to Boston in the near future. And Orlando. But as we end every episode, we're going to put our hands in the middle and say something on the count of three. I think it is only fitting that on the count of three, we say chicken tortilla soup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to pay homage to J.R. Smith. That's very good. One, two, three. Chicken, chicken tortilla, tortilla soup. Whoosh. Ow, it's so hot. It's okay. I threw it in a styrofoam bowl, so it's... Oh, no, I dropped it. No, no, I dropped it. It hurts so much. It's so hot. <laughs>